0: Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate inspire empower and educate people on these interesting topics my background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology after completing both my ba in psychology and my mba in healthcare administration my passion for mental health only continued to grow as a result of this i launched master your mental to bring more awareness tips and conversations to the table about these topics You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at Master Your Mental. Now, let's get into the episode, guys. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental podcast. I'm so excited to be doing this episode. I actually just got done recording it with my guest, who I'm going to be introducing you guys to in a second. She is a very special person, and we're going to be talking about the power of writing for your mental health and all the awesome benefits that writing can do to improve your mental health and to help you overcome obstacles, barriers, and different things that you are faced with and going through at this moment or things that you've been dealing with in the past as well. So I just got really excited to do this episode because this is actually something thing that has been extremely helpful for me. And many of you guys know that I actually have my first book coming out and this guest that i'm bringing to the stage for you guys was so kind to actually read my book and give me an endorsement to include in the book so i'm super excited about that because i always love being able to use my story and messages and words to really help uplift and inspire others in any way that i can and that is the entire focus of this episode is all of the ways that my guest has used writing and she has done a lot of writing. You guys, you're going to hear in a second, all the awesome things that she has done that she is up to and all stuff like this in just a second. But she has used writing as a tool to help her overcome challenging times in her childhood. And I'm just so excited for you guys to hear about how powerful that was for her and how powerful it can be for you. If you guys have never thought about whether whether or not writing a book, journaling, writing things down and keeping track of your thoughts and feelings and all the benefits of that. So I'm super excited to talk about this because all of us have a story inside of us and many stories inside of us that we can take away as and look at as our superpowers. So we're going to get into that in this episode and I'm excited for you guys to tune in. So let's get into it, you guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the master your mental podcast. I have such an exciting topic and guest for you guys this week. I am joined by Patricia Wooster, who is the founder of Wooster Media, a best-selling author of over 13 books and counting, and a book coach who works with leaders, entrepreneurs, athletes, and anyone who would like to make an impact on this world using their words. I'm so thankful for having crossed paths with Patricia on Clubhouse and having heard a bit of her story before bringing her to the stage for you guys. I'm so looking forward to letting you guys into how Patricia has turned her story into her superpower. So without further ado, welcome Patricia to the podcast.
1: Hello. So happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Yes, of course. So excited to have you here. So you guys, we've been we've been talking for a while, like back and forth, back and forth. And I'm so excited that we have this episode. You guys can see right now the title. Your story is your superpower. So before we jump on into this, I would love for you, Patricia, to tell us what has your journey been like uh, so far getting into writing and what has writing done for you?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. So I went to college for creative writing and psychology. And the day after I graduated, I was told by a family member that I couldn't make a living writing, <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> which was very interesting and um, humbling. So I actually went out and worked in corporate America in software for like 10 years. And then when I had my first kid and I was like 31 and I decided I was going to stay home and I thought, well, I'll try writing a book. It was a total disaster. It was, (laughs) I sought out no advice. I decided to write fiction, which I have no idea why. And so I pitched some agents. I got a lot of rejection. And then I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and she had worked for Reader's Digest and some of the big publishing houses. And then she, I'm in Florida. She had moved to Florida to do like freelance projects and stuff. And I was asking her, I said, okay i'm gonna work my way in i'm gonna do this whole like sales thing like i used to do (laughs) to get into corporations i'm gonna work my way into the publishers what is the crappiest because i don't know if i can cuss here but
0: no you can
1: you're good (laughs) what is the shittiest (laughs) job that they need freelancers for and she's like oh fact checkers everybody hates fact checking so anyway i took like a mini course online i started fact checking well i was talking to all the best editors like from all the big publishing houses and things And I also learned a lot about books because I did over 300 books. And so during that time, I would look at these things and say, well, I could do this because first drafts, I mean, they're a disaster usually. And so I pitched a project to Simon & Schuster and I was able to, because I had a relationship, I didn't have to do the book proposal, the agent, the whole normal thing. And so I was able to kind of work my way into um, doing that. And my goal at the time was to, because I grew up with a little bit of dysfunction in my house was that I wanted to write the book that I wish I'd had at that age. Mm. And one thing I remember from being in sales is they're always giving you all these personal development books, like Malcolm Gladwell and grit and growth mindset and like all these different things. And I remember reading, them, going, I wish I would have known this when I was a kid, like when I was a teen, my life would have been much easier if I would (sighs) have known that like, it was going to change, things Mm -hmm. would get better, and I would have more control over that. And so I took all of that information and I made it available for kind of a middle school, high school age. So I wrote the book I wanted to have. Wow. And so that really helped me kind of, I guess, process a lot of things that had happened when I was younger, but also feel like I was giving back. And I was mm-hmm. giving my kids, because, I mean, he was a baby at the time, but I was giving my kids some foundational stuff, some wow. tools. And so that's kind of how all of that that got that's started. That's
0: amazing. That is so cool just to hear, like, the evolution of how you got into that, not having to go through it the traditional way and, like, having come into that by doing a job and providing a service to them and, like, building those relationships and then actually writing something that comes from the experiences that you've had that have like been harmful and hurtful and dysfunctional and using that and turning that into something that people can take away from and like, look at that and say, wow, because that is so powerful. You know, when you really think about it from that perspective of, you know, what, what did I need when I was growing up that I didn't feel like I got, or that I didn't feel like I had, And now that you know, now that you know that now turning that into something, I think is just so amazing because, you know, so many people benefit from that and it's so relatable and it's so real and raw and vulnerable and people like, I don't even know how many people have been impacted by that, but I'm sure a lot, (laughs) I am sure a lot. And honestly, like another thing that I want to get into with you, we talked about a major lung surgery that you had to have actually around the same time (laughs) that you had your book deal with Simon and Schuster. And you were telling me like, you know, wanting to be celebrating that moment and like super excited about that and then having this happen. So I'd love to hear from you, you know, like what was that time in your life like, and what was the most helpful for you in terms of making it through that time to be able to celebrate your accomplishment?
1: Well, it was so crazy because, so I was like that, awkward, unathletic, little chubby, like kid growing up. Like I didn't have a lot of confidence in those areas and no one really expected me to. I was like the creative kid. Mm -hmm. And so here I was, I was like 40 years old. I was in the best shape of my life, like the best shape of my (laughs) life, working out all the time. I had this book deal, like everything looked like super rosy. And so I thought I'd like, um, pinched a nerve in my back or something at Orange Theory, oh. <laughs> <of all places. laughs> and I was doing Orange Theory like five days a week and I was playing tennis several times oh. a week. So I just thought I hurt my back and we went to an urgent care. Cause I was like, well, this isn't going to fuck up my weekend. Like, because it was our anniversary weekend and we'd gotten a babysitter for the kids. And I said, oh. okay, well maybe they'll give me like a painkiller or something. And I go there and they did this x-ray and all of a sudden they come like running in the room and they said, you have a spontaneous pneumothorax, which I didn't even know what that was. And they said, you got, you need to go to the ER. And so I'm Googling it on the way there. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this must be wrong. It says lung collapse. And so I'm, um, cause because i did not have any like pre-existing lung things. And I went there and even when I was in the ER and the doctor was talking to us and everything, and I said, okay, but when can we leave? because we have a babysitter. We have the first weekend off forever. Like we're going out to celebrate. And he was like, you have an 80% lung collapse. Like we're checking you into the hospital. Like what is wrong with this lady? And so anyway, at the time they kind of wrote it off as a fluke. Like sometimes when people get athletic or whatever, you know, these things happen, but then it happened every single month. And we were getting closer to my my book launch date was January. And so in October, I had to have major lung surgery um, to basically superglue my lung to my chest. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell the publisher because I was afraid because I was a debut offer that they would just pull all my marketing support. And I after I had the surgery, they said the doctor said because I said, should I really be in this much pain? I probably cried or screamed that out because I was kind of baby about it, but, (laughs) but, um, he said, Oh, this is like the second most painful surgery a person can have because we purposely abrase it to create the scar tissue anyway. So my recovery was terrible and my nights and days were all messed up and I'm very disciplined. Like Mm -hmm. I, my schedule, like I get up, I gotta go to the gym. I like, I have my thing and I was all messed up. Plus, I was putting this front on for my kids and also the publisher. Mm -hmm. And so I just started digging, going back to what like grounds me, which is reading. And so I ordered a bunch of personal development books. I got my journal out and I did a combination of like reading and scribing and also just processing what I felt because I felt like I was having to fake Mm -hmm. the way I felt to my kids. Fake, I was trying to fake everything. And I, I felt like I needed a place where I could just process and be honest mm-hmm. and during that time I stumbled upon Hal Elrod's miracle morning book and it, oh. what it is <laughs> you know it's based on these like five really super simple things that you do as part of a morning routine and at the time I mean keep in mind like it, it's very simple but when, at the time it seemed very difficult <laughs> for me <laughs> and so I started doing it and it really created the foundation of a routine for me again and that's kind of when that light bulb went off in my head. That was like, I how powerful books can be. How big of an impact mm-hmm. that the right book at the right time can have an impact. Now, if I bought that book today and read it, I'd be like, eh, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, not nothing wrong with the book, but it wouldn't have ha- it wouldn't have landed the same mm-hmm. way. And that's when it became so important to me to work with people that want to kind of create an impact for other people. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but as to at what point do you make that decision to do that? Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that that combination of like journaling and also perspective can really do a lot, not only for yourself, but what you're able to give to other people as well. Oh, yeah.
0: And I love how you bring that up of the right moment, like having that book at that time in your life and the impact that that caused for you. And then like sitting here now and being like, well, if I read this now, it wouldn't necessarily be the same. And that's so powerful because that's it. When you think about it, you know, like think about the books that you've read in your life and like the ones that like, ma- like shifted so much of how you either view yourself or the world or others or si- situations that you're dealing with, or, you know, mm-hmm. obstacles in front of you that you're like, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. I'm never going to be able to like get over this. And then you read this thing and you're like, I never thought of that. I never looked at it this way. I never thought that this view was even a view that you could have (laughs) to like come through this. And that is so amazing. And that's what I just, I love. I just love hearing that. And like hearing that, that, that there's things out there that are books that have that power that people can gain from that. And, oh my gosh, like, I'm just, I'm just so excited right now. I mean, you guys probably know, like, I'm always like this, but, um, you know, I want to ask you like, so the, 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 there's a defining moment here, like in your life, when you finally realized, when did you finally realize that your story is your superpower? Was there a defining moment? And if there was, what was that like for you?
1: So it's interesting because, you know, this question comes up to me a lot too, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly if people are talking about memoir, right. And it, to give it a different perspective is a lot of people will say i want to share this because maybe i want to help other people but at the same time those people are still in my life there's people in my life that aren't going to come out as heroes mm-hmm. in this book and maybe i don't want that drama or that kind of thing and i felt like i was kind of in that position from where i started so that's why i took the the route of with that first book of writing the book that i needed and not be focused on the kind of the external players to that story or bring attention to it. Because for me, it wasn't the right time to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, what I found was that as I got, so we all have multiple stories and that's the thing. I think people think that their biggest story, their biggest thing that happened has to be their superpower story, which is not true. Cause if we look mm-hmm. at Brené Brown, okay. She flies on <laughs> private planes and yeah, sorry, my oh, it's okay. Private planes, and yeah, she has an amazing life and a Netflix series and all these things. But what does she talk about in her book? There's stories about conversations with her husband or swimming across the lake, and those are the ones that land because we connect to them. Yeah. And so, I think it's important too if your story is your superpower, there needs to be a connection piece of some sort. So for me, like, I have a couple stories that, you know, depending on how long of a story I'm telling, (laughs) right, that it falls into, because I can get really granular about the rejection process of going Mm -hmm. through it and writing, you know, if I'm talking to somebody who's frustrated and say, well, no, it can happen. But then I also have those stories of, you know, the health situation that, is a big part of my life because it's always going to be a part of my life and my story. And so I think it's important to identify that we all have many superpowers. Your book is just one of your superpowers. The content of your podcast is just one of your superpowers and you'll get more and more superpowers, Mm -hmm. I believe everyone will, as they get older. And so I think the important part is the context of sharing it. When you are ready to share it from a scar and not a wound, Mm -hmm. you're not still like bleeding out onto the street over it. No, we have the. I have these people. They'll call me and they'll be in the middle of this terrible divorce, and they want to write a book about divorce. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, keep a journal. Like this is not. You're processing it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. right now, it's for you. If you write that book now, you're gonna actually create trauma. Mm-hmm. And open wounds for other people because you don't have your perspective yet. Wait mm-hmm. a couple years, You years. Know? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. It will be a superpower because you have journeyed through it.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. And I, lo- I love how you talk about, you know, the, the amount of superpowers. Because, like, I feel like that's the thing, too, is people might think, oh, well, this is my one thing this is like my one story. And then this is it kind of like, this is this thing that happened. And, you know, but, and then they start sometimes starting to feel like, do I have other things that I could turn into something to help other people? And that answer is yes. And that's the thing. I love how you bring that up is as you grow and as over time you evolve and you start to have more of these things, more of these experiences, and you start to, it starts to come together. And I love how you talk about you know, the person who called you going through the divorce and wanting to write, like, I'm going to write this about divorce. And, you know, and and that's the thing is like, you have, people have such a good intention. Like, I want to do this and I want to, you know, like use this experience. But if you haven't fully, like you said, like healed from that or gone through that, it's still open. It's going to do more harm to you, the writer. And instead of like, and then that's going to be almost like re-experiencing that on a deeper level and getting even more hurt by that. So that's so important to understand well, too. You is, don't know
1: how it ends yet. Yes. Right? You're still yeah. In the of it. How does it's, it end?
0: <laughs> I know that's the thing too, is like trying to, and then with the book, like, how do I, how do I end this? There is, you know, I'm still in it. There isn't an ending, you know, so you don't have that. And then, you know, trying to give that perspective, um, to help people. And I feel like is, is beautiful and it's amazing that so many people want to do that, but I think it's so important too. And that this is what goes back to the whole topic of this episode is how writing is so therapeutic and so helpful for your mental health to do that. Like you said, journaling, starting out with journaling, writing things down, gratitude, reading other books. And then if you decide, Hey, this is a story or something experience something inside of you that you want to put down onto paper for other people to hold in their hands and look at and read and take messages away from that, then do that, do that. But the thing, like, I, I would love to ask you, you know, like what has been like for writing, like what has writing done for your mental health? Like when you talk about, you know, like growing up with like the dysfunction in the family and like writing the books for teen empowerment and things like that, like, what has that done for you? And like, what, What has that done for your life doing that?
1: Yeah, so a couple things is, you know, when I was a kid, I wrote, I Mm -hmm. I created poems or I wrote, you know, at the time we called it diary. Now it's a journal, but, (laughs) but, you know, it started really young, you know, and it started really innocent. Like, I hate so-and-so. They took my pencil, you know, (laughs) like little, like jotting down things. But as I got older, it got deeper and it got ways to kind of just get stuff out especially like that angst, you know, Mm -hmm. it comes. But then as I, as things, as I got older and there were, and I'm I'm talking like middle school, high school, older, not old, old, but, um, it became a way, a way for me to help heal myself because I think there's so much power there in that a lot of times we are in situations, particularly kids. Now they Mm -hmm. don't, you know, you can't just leave. Um, but even as adults we are in situations where we feel like we don't have control but we do have control over what's in here and what's in our heart Mm -hmm. and if you have a private place to document that and process it but also to remind yourself that you are valued that that this is wrong or or whatever that your feelings are valid I think that helps your mental health so much. It helps your (laughs) confidence. And then as I got older, you know, it became less about me. I'm not necessarily, I mean, I'd love to sell a gazillion books, but volume isn't really my goal. My goal is for it to land in the right hands and to help people. And my goal now is really to help other people share their stories so they can help people. But I think we have, um, as a community, There's so much intellectual property or things that aren't discussed openly, Mm -hmm. either because people don't feel comfortable or maybe there's shame or whatever, and there's so much connection there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. If you look at your neighbors and if you really could peel back the layers, if you read their journals, (laughs) you would find that there's so much connection point. And so for those people that are brave enough, Mm -hmm. to put it into a book that anybody can buy and put their name on it. I think that's amazing. Right. And so for me, it gives me a lot of confidence. I feel a lot of gratitude, you know, it just feels good, you Mm -hmm. know, to put those things out and help people. But at the same time, I want to kind of go back to, you have to have a protective barrier as well is I do see people who over give and they have perspective of time but they overgive and they lose the boundaries that they really needed. And now their neighbors, their people on social media, everywhere they go, feel like they have this kind of access to what's happening inside of them at all times because they mm-hmm. shared one story. And so I think it's a matter of identifying what am I gonna be comfortable having a conversation with at a bookstore, say, Mm -hmm. with, you know, a bookstore signing and having people ask me questions. And as long as you can identify that you're cool with talking about those things, then I think, you know, you shared the right amount of information.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think I feel like that's so important because sometimes you miss that piece, right? When you're like, you're in the process, you're doing it and you're and I love how that almost brings up awareness, awareness of, the benefit of writing for your mental health and how, and like you said, doing that since you were a kid and, you know, starting with the poems, even like the diaries, all this stuff. And that is so huge because sometimes I feel like, you know, like we don't even have an awareness of like the, the level of severity of how things have affected us or impacted us because sometimes we do these things to escape from that. Or, you know, get away from it or, you know, focus on this over here or this over here. And that, you know, just it just stays there. And it's like this thing. But then when you can write about that and put it down onto paper and then turn that into something that other people can look at and say, wow, you know, if if this person's able to do this right and write this book about this and share this, then maybe I can start a conversation. You know, not like, oh, I'm going to go write a book now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write my story. And like, that's great. But then the, I think the beautiful piece of that is, is like you said, the books landing in the right hands, the right person accessing that and like being able to like tap into that and say, wow, you know, and like also like the feeling of not feeling like the shame from that or the guilt or whatever those feelings may be that are weighing so heavily on you that you feel like you can't like talk about it or start a conversation. And I feel like that's another beautiful thing of what writing does too, is it opens up the door for starting that conversation. And that's what I think is cool about book clubs. I mean, like book, like you have book club, like everyone gets together and like, you can talk about, talk about these things. And it leads to other conversations that people might be sitting there. Like, I never thought that I could talk about this with anyone, or I never thought that I could share this. And now you start to feel just Better and excited and happier and like, I mean, what do you? Glenn yeah,
1: Doyle. Yes, she came out with Untamed and everybody's yeah. like, she's my girl, and they're all <laughs> personal stories and all the book club, and it was like she gave everyone permission mm-hmm. to publicly say. Oh, I resonated with such and such story so much. I remember when that happened to me, or I felt that like there was almost pride in being able to be aligned with some of her stories of where she was really going through something. (laughs) And that that's powerful. Like if and it's just like when um I'll never forget, like when I used to come home from school, my mom would have Oprah on. Four Uh, (laughs) o'clock. Yeah. Four o'clock in Kansas City. You'd sit down, you'd have a snack after school, and you'd watch Oprah. And the reason everybody thought Oprah was their best friend, the sister next door is not because she owned nine homes, which I think is what she did at the time. And it's it wasn't for the glam. It was when she opened up about her weight loss struggle and failed. Remember, she came out in the black turtleneck. And then several months later, she gained back a lot of weight. It was her struggles with her weight. It was when she finally started discussing childhood trauma and when she started becoming transparent about how hard it was as a black woman to work her way up in her industry. Yeah, That's when she became everybody's best friend. And that's when people were like, I have weight problems. I have this, I, I failed on this diet or I had this at home because Pete, she certain people are leaders and they build a tribe. And once that person gives permission on a topic, everybody else all of a sudden starts kind of opening up their Mm -hmm. hearts. And it's beautiful when people do that. I think we're seeing more pockets of community. You don't have to be an Oprah anymore. You're seeing more pockets of community doing that because we're Mm destigmatizing things, you know, which, which we didn't used to do. We just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's, that's uncomfortable conversation. Let's push that. Down. let's not have that. that's that's not fun conversation. Yeah and I, do uh,
0: I love that. I love that you bring up the destigmatizing because I like that's so amazing to me to see just to see more people feeling like they can, shared things and be like, Oh, I go to therapy without being like, what the hell's wrong with you? You go to therapy. Like, it's like, you know, like having this, (laughs) like, you know, like, what are you like, what's wrong with you? And like being able to talk about that. And even if like be vulnerable about anything, that's a challenge or difficulty or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be, you know, something that was so severe for you that you don't even feel ready yet to have that. You don't need to do that. And that's what I think is so beautiful too, is like just having people like that, you know, who write these stories and put that out there and where it's so relatable and you read that and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not the only one who sits here and is like, this happened. And well, I guess I just have to, you know, live my life and just act like it's all fine. Cause that's what, what we see sometimes, but I don't know. So that's what I think is so great about stories and writing. And, you know, even if you're not writing a book, just writing out your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences, like it, In your day and like keeping track of that and then being able to go back and look at that and say, you know, look at celebrating yourself instead of sitting there and being like, oh, I didn't get this done or, you know, like all the stuff that isn't going right or all the things that are going wrong, like looking at the good things and being able to know that you overcame such a hard thing, like you overcame so many difficult things in your life. And everyone has everyone has done that. And it's like, that's amazing. That's incredible. And if you can share that and talk about it, write it, whatever it is, that is so awesome to me. And I love me. That's why I love people like you who I meet and just like on the internet, wherever we meet or connect. It's so cool because it's just such an awesome sense of community and knowing that other people out there are also so into that and like seeing the passion and like being able to help other people get this out into the world and like communicate that and like, let them know that you can do that. You know, this is real. It's a real thing and you can share that and you can help other people. And it's amazing because I think that's so rewarding to me to to hear people tell me like, Oh, you know, you, you wrote this thing and, you know, I had no idea that this, you know, happened in your life or whatever. And that this is, this helped me in this way, or this did this for me, or just something like that. I'm like, wow. And it's worth it. And you've, you, I know you've had that where people come to you and they say that, and they're like, you wrote this and they, they reach out to you. They want to like, let you know, like how powerful your words impacted them for good in their life and it's amazing and honestly like so okay this is a question I always ask everybody and this is always the last question I love to ask everyone because you always get a different answer you never know what you're gonna get but what are you currently doing right now in this moment to master your mental and mental is the acronym of the podcast so we got mindset engagement Nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. So what are you doing right now to master your mental, Patricia?
1: (laughs) So going back to I am a morning routine person. I am a really grumpy person when it when I miss it, (laughs) discovered. But I get up at 4 30 in the morning. And that sounds like hideous to most people, but But because it's that important to me, you know, I could get up later and miss it. And so when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I read Mm -hmm. and I scribe and I drink coffee and I don't worry about my phone or other people's needs. Then there is um, a podcast with Breakfast of Champions Mm -hmm. called Rise and Grind that is always motivational. And I listen to that as I drive to the gym and I'm at F45 at 6am every morning.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) And I work out whether I want to or not. And that's a huge thing is because since I suffer with chronic pain, I always wake up and feel like I was in a car accident. And so the mental toughness I have found is just as important as the physical work of making the decision to go. Mm -hmm. And then my day doesn't start until I've, you know, I've come home, I've showered Um, while I was working on my book, I wouldn't let myself shower from the gym, which I'm sure my family loved, (laughs) and my dog, but, um, until I got my words out because I found if you're extremely uncomfortable, you will do whatever it takes to get that thing done that you have to do to do the thing you want. So my day starts, like really set up for success. And then when I go to bed at night, um, not only, it used to be like, I would say, kind of prayers in my head at night. But my first thought are, I have to come up with three gratitude statements that are very specific to that day. Mm-hmm. So it can't be like, I'm grateful for my kids. No, I have to be like something one of them did. Because I think when we, I think it's like prayers. We get wrote about it. Like I remember mm-hmm. growing up and before, if you, I grew up Catholic. I'm not Catholic. Anymore. Yeah, me too. I grew up Catholic and yeah. you just, like <laughs> bless the food. It, was anybody even listening to the word? <laughs> kind of the words kind of like blurred into each other. You don't pay attention when you do this. So if you express gratitude, grateful for my husband, I'm you're not really breathing into it. Mm-hmm. And so if you have to come up with something new and attach importance to it, and then sometimes what I do, which I love, but sometimes I fall asleep is um, a body <laughs> scan. So when I used to do yoga all the time, you know, they would have you relax. Starting at your toes or at your head and take your whole body and like focus on your fingers. And and when my kids are little, I used to have them do that when they laid in bed. I would have them close their eyes and I would walk them through a body scan because they were hyper, not because, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not because I was this great like mindset, mom, <laughs> but, but um, and so self care is super important. And I noticed, I mean, almost like. Within 48 hours. If I'm not doing those things, mm-hmm. everything shifts. And my oh, yeah. perspective on myself and everyone around me shifts as well. And so I'm very big on you need to be protective. I know sometimes we're so, so busy, but everybody has 20 minutes during the day that they can find to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mine happens to last like multiple hours, but but that's because (laughs) I start at 4.30. You know what I mean? Like I prioritized Mm -hmm. it. It's not because I love getting up at 4.30, but it's a priority, you know? And so I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's important for everybody to find their own routine. And Mm -hmm. that's something else that has been normalized. You know, whether it's a miracle morning or Robin Sharma is awesome. The Mm 5.00 AM club is an amazing book. But there's a lot of different practices that you can pick up and then adapt Mm -hmm. somebody else's into what fits for you. But I think it's really important.
0: Oh, my gosh. You just said so many. (laughs) No, so many good things. And I'm so happy you said all of that because that is amazing. Self-care. Just like you're. I want to be, you're inspiring me. You're making me want to do like, get up at like four 30 and like you're holding, but it's so true. That routine is so true. And especially what you said about the whole gratitude thing of trying to make it specific to that day, instead of just like my family my, you know, all these things, right. Make it specific. And that is, I've never heard it like that before. I love that. I love that you said that because yeah, that's a new – I am gonna have to write that down and put on a sticky note over here and keep I it. I think
1: it was like Gary Vaynerchuk. There was like a yes. podcast with Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. and Tony Robbins, okay, two very different people. And they were going through their um, routine, yeah. their gratitude practice. And it was mm-hmm. really funny because Tony's was very like what you would expect. Like when yeah. somebody explains their perfect routine and <laughs> the perfect way to do gratitude and all this stuff – and Gary V was very like, he goes, I'm very much like, I'm grateful because, you know, because I didn't fucking die today. I'm yeah. like, it was yeah. all very that's like, how he, yeah. but he said, it works for me when I try yeah. to use the woo-woo talk. That's not me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just faking it. It doesn't resonate for me, but everything mm-hmm. his, his was, his whole routine was super gritty, but he said, cause I've tried everybody else's. It doesn't work.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. no, you that's know? so, yeah. You know, you
1: oh Yeah. I, love I thought that. that was hilarious. And he gave a lot more examples that were really crude. And I I was cracking up. They were really funny, but
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And I honestly, I feel like I could just talk to you the entire day. Like we could be doing this for hours. And I loved having you come on. I love your story. I love what you have done with your life. It's amazing. Like that's that's so 13 books and counting. Like I'm like. Wow. Like all the stuff that you've done and contributed and put out into this world. And it's like to not even understand fully, like the impact that you have on other people is incredible. And honestly, I just want to thank you again for giving me some time in your day to come out here on master your mental and have this conversation with me. So Patricia, thank you so much. It has been the
1: best time. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Glad we were able to finally connect. In I know in person. <laughs> yeah. And make it happen. Oh
0: my gosh. And you guys, whether or you are listening to this in the morning or nighttime, I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. And I'm going to end it on that note and say bye to you guys and bye to Patricia and thanks for coming out. So bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at master your mental, where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. And thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.